listening to Radio Owl's Nest. The songs of Martin Page, all day, all night, forever. So grab a cup of tea, settle down with us in the Owl's Nest. It's me. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. You can't get rid of me. No, no, you can't get rid of me that easy. You thought after about 352 shows you could dump me, but no, no, I'm here, and you will not get rid of me. Uh, You have to be a very stubborn songwriter to make it in the business, and that's what I am. And all the millions of letters that came into Bootsy saying, dump the compare, dump the host, and just make it a Bootsy show, I'm going to ignore that. This is a stubborn songwriter's podcast. Um, And I'm going to be playing you songs from my vault, all my stuff, all my noises, all my bits some pieces that have really, if at all, been heard. I shall be dipping my hand still into an ever-deep suitcase of rare moulding cassettes. And I'm going to start the show by playing you something incredibly rare. I recently found a lot of demos that I wrote with the great lyricist Bernie Taupin, um, and this was from our heyday, our era, when we were just knocking them out. And this is a song that I was excited to find. First time being played, it's called I Am Not The Enemy. Dry. I'll bring you water, I will make you cry 
Hello, Bootsy. This is the Queen from Buckingham Palace. I'm putting together the honours list and I would like to knight you, Sir Bootsy. It's always great when the Queen drops in. You do tend to feel a little bit important. Uh, anyway, getting back to that song, I Am Not Your Enemy. I wrote that with uh, Bernie Taupin, I believe, back in the 90s. Uh, brought back a lot of memories. Uh, again, I say this many times, but I totally had forgotten that I'd written that. Uh, and I enjoyed listening to that. I could hear a kind of uh, very vibey kind of rhythm section going on there. Um, I remember Brian, Brian Fairweather. Again, he dropped in for cup of coffee and other numerous uh, things to play the guitar solo. Uh, it seems that Brian was on every demo I ever recorded. It was done on an Atari 16-track, I remember. Uh, it was on a white 16-track uh, tape machine I had. And uh, listening to the lead vocal there, I can hear that I've got the Dimension D, Roland Dimension D, uh, a very unusual little box that was like a, a very strange um, chorusing effect, which used to give you a little bit of glistening on the top. I can hear that I put quite a bit of it on there. I uh, used to use it on guitars. Uh, I know the Fix used that. It was given to me by the great engineer, George Massenburg, who just uh, basically uh, said, I've received this from Tokyo. You can have it. And the Dimension D is quite a rare thing now. Um, and I can hear that I was programming the drum machine on an Akai S1000 sampler for all those drums. Um, that's all for you nerds out there. It is a songwriter's podcast, but also it touches on uh, engineering and instrumental things that I can remember. Okay, okay, I'll be there in a minute. I had a very productive time uh, digging into this never-ending uh, suitcase that goes into the darkness, and uh, I never realised I wrote so many songs. Um, some were good, some are awful. Um, and you're learning as you go. But um, when I was uh, recently finding that song, uh, I Am Not Your Enemy, I found another um, unusual gem for me, uh, again writing with a superb lyricist, and that was the great Hal David. We wrote uh, two songs together, uh, a song called Still Loving You, which I played some time back on my show, and uh, this song called Wall of Fire. Again, I believe it was written in the 90s. Can't tell you the exact date or minute or hour, but I believe it was around that time. And uh, the great uh, singer, Tommy Funderburg, who'd become a friend of mine, a uh, great, great session singer, he came over. And another great session singer, Machin Taylor, who went on to sing with Sting and Pink Floyd, etc. They were both my friends, luckily, and she came in to do some harmonies with uh, Tommy singing this uh, very soulful song. I'll tell you a bit more about it later but here it is uh, my demo with the great Al David um, Wall of Fire
That's a song called Wall of Fire. Um, again, I thought that had vanished into the mists of time. Um, but when I put my hand into the uh, dark, ever-descending box of cassettes, uh, there it was. And uh, actually, it was, a, it was a DAT. It was on digital DAT. Uh, yes, I was moving into the future. But that was written with Hal David. And uh, as I said before, Tommy Funderburg sang the lead vocal. And uh, the lovely Machan Taylor helped with some harmonies there. Always lucky when your friends are so talented and they'll come across to your house and do their special thing. That's me playing all the other instruments and programming everything, and me doing a rather bad impression of playing a Stevie Wonder kind of harmonica solo. Um, what I remember uh, about working with Hal David, it was I only had a brief period with him, but again, you know, I was a young songwriter in LA, and when you uh, you get with a legend like that, you you feel like, oh my goodness, uh, uh, this is quite unbelievable. Hal was a lovely man, very different to working with him uh, than with Bernie Taupin. Bernie wrote the lyrics up front and gave them to you the same way he always wrote with Elton, uh, while Hal would basically stand next to you as you sang the song and played it, and he'd jot down things. He would get the result straight away. Uh, obviously, he probably worked with Bacharach that way, that results had to come quite instantly. I do remember, as I mentioned before, that he seemed to vanish as I was working with him. I'd look over my shoulder and he was gone. And I'd even look out the window to see if his car was still there because he'd vanished. And then I found that he uh, would go into the restroom, my toilet, and spend long periods in there writing great lyrics. Um and so, uh, yeah, it was like if I heard the toilet chain go, I knew we had a lyric and he was about to turn up and give it to me. But a really, really, really sweet man listening to Wall of Fire. I can hear that there's so many words in it. And it's a strange arrangement. The, uh, the long verse suddenly goes into a pre-chorus. Then there's a chorus. Then it's straight to the middle eight. Then it's out to the pre-chorus and chorus again. So, uh, and a solo somewhere in there. So it's a very, very strange uh, arrangement that uh, sometimes I think it's quite beautiful at points. And then I go, why did I arrange it that way? But there we go. When you have lots of words, you've got to make things fit. Wall of Fire with Hal David. Oh, the sound of the toilet flushing. I sense there's a hit song about to come. It gets you very, very excited. Oh, maybe it's a couple of hit songs. That sounds like a good flush. I've flushed the toilet millions of times and only really got about five hits out of it. It uh, doesn't always work. Watson, what time does the train leave from Baskerville? 12 o'clock tomorrow, Victoria. Oh no, you can call me John. I'm reading a great book, uh, a book you should all get. It's about the great comedian Peter Cook. Uh, terrific biography um, by Harry Thompson. And every now and then, yes, that's the pages of the book. You dive in and you find the odd little joke there that does tickle your fancy. Or is that the catnip speaking? Ah, Bootsy Boy, the wisdom of Bootsy. We cannot get away from that beautiful, beautiful black cat of ours. I'd like to play you now a song from my second instrumental album, an album called The Occupation of Hope. It's a song called Mothers of Beslan. Uh, it's based on the tragedy uh, that happened in Russia in 2004 uh, in North Ossetia, and... Uh, 1,128 victims, a lot of those were school children, and the mothers came together to blame the authorities for the massacre of uh, their children. And in 2005, they formed a committee that uh, every year brings this uh, situation up to the government. Uh, this is a song called Mothers of Beslan.
That's a song called Mothers of Bestlan uh, from my album, uh, The Occupation of Hope, uh, my second instrumental record. And that's based on the massacre at, uh, in Russia at the Bestlan School uh, by the Russian security forces. Based on a bogus uh, hostage situation, uh, many children at the school were killed. And the Mothers of Bestlan are still trying to get the truth revealed. Well, I know a few of you out there are book readers like myself because I every now and then do a Pages book club on my Instagram account and I get minus 10 people responding. Yes, minus, minus, unbelievable. Uh, but I thought I'd turn you on to a few books that I am enjoying at this moment because I think we all need to read more. Anyway, three books are in my living room uh, by my couch, uh, by the fire. I love to sit down and get lost in the pages. And uh, the first book I want to tell you about is by Chris Difford. Yes, of The Squeeze. It's a book called Some Fantastic Place, My Life in and Out of Squeeze. It's really, really an honest book, um, how he fought with his addictions all through the career. I mean, it's amazing how he stood up on stage uh, <laughs> to do all those concerts. It's a really honest biography, and I didn't even know. He was actually a manager of Brian Ferry at some uh, period of his career. That is pretty amazing, but a great lyricist, and I would totally advise you to read it if you're into songwriting and a truthful biography. The second book I want to turn you on to is a very odd one. It's by surrealist writer and painter Leonora Carrington, who lived in 1917 to 2000. And eleven, her stories, her, her her short stories are just wonderful, uh, really, really left field and bewildering, but also mystical, and um, they really do take you to a different landscape and make you think about the life we're living now. Um, she was a master of the macabre, uh, of gorgeous tableaus, biting satire, rogue, roguish comedy. You can tell I'm reading this, and brilliant, effortless flights of the imagination. Nowhere are these qualities more ingeniously brought together than in the works of short fiction she wrote throughout her life. The book is called *The Complete Stories of Leonora Carrington*. Introduction by Catherine Davis. Um, it's really, really a mystical book. And the last book, number three. Now, this was a bit of a gem to find because there are no real books, have there ever been, on the great drummer Jeff Beccaro. Um, we grew up as um, songwriters, musicians in England during the 70s and 80s, looking upon Jeff Beccaro as one of the greatest drummers. And my drummers that I worked with, right from Jimmy Copley on to Phil Collins and Trevor Thornton, uh, they all had great reverence for this man. So this is a wonderful book that I've just bought now and I'm enjoying reading. It's called It's About Time, Jeff Beccaro, The Man and His Music. And it's by Robin Flans. Uh, Robin Flans was uh, very, very close to him throughout his career 
working for Paste Symbols. Uh, Toto, the band he formed, uh, we always think of, you know, Rosanna and Africa and Hold the Line. But what a band. And uh, Jeff was right there at the beginning. Died much too early at 38 years old. This uh, book has all the musicians that played with him, speaking about him, what it was like to be with him. He seems to have had a crazy, crazy sense of humour. And also his own comments on a lot of the work he did. So it's a bit of a rare book. You don't really get books, as I said before, on Little Feet and uh, great musicians like Jeff Beccaro. So... This is really worth getting hold of. Um, Donald Fagan, Vinnie Kawaluta, Peter Frampton, all these um, great musicians talking about working with him. And Donald Fagan says, I miss my pal Jeff and his soulful popping style. In this book, you'll discover what a bright, funny and dedicated caddy was. Whether you're a fan, a professional musician or a young drummer with big dreams, this is essential reading. So this is called It's About Time. Jeff Beccaro, The Man and His Music. I feel very fortunate that he played on my track uh, that I wrote with Paul Young on his album The Crossing, um, The Only Game in Town. I nearly forgot the title. Uh, so uh, I feel very blessed that this man, Jeff Beccaro, played on one of my songs. So there you are. Books, get out there. Read, turn, learn, words, spell. Get into it. Books, pages, paper, uh, all good stuff. And so, everybody, what about a bit of rock and roll? Yeah, a bit of rock and roll! <laughs> this is a song that I've never played before. Again, it's Tommy Funderburg and myself singing uh, a song called There's No Way Out. So let your hair down, put your flares on and rock out.
Tommy Funderburg singing again, uh, a range that went through the top of my ceiling. What a singer uh, and what a range. Uh, a song we wrote together called There's No Way Out. We wrote that together at the same time we wrote a song called It's Not Enough, which uh, Starship took into the top 20. And, and it was produced by Mike Shipley, my good friend, the engineer, and Larry Klein. And they also put this song, There's No Way Out, on hold as well. We did both those demos at the same time. Uh, it's done on the 16 track again and... Uh, Tommy and I uh, sat down and wrote the song quite quickly together. I had the basis of it, but Tommy came in and helped with some of the melodies and some of the lyric writing, and he's playing guitar on that. It's not Brian Fairweather. It is actually Tommy who could play a mean guitar. So that's a demo. There's No Way Out, uh, and almost cut by Starship at the same time they cut It's Not Enough. I remember that I went across to see uh, Mike uh, Shipley and Larry Klein in Joni Mitchell's house uh, when they were recording It's Not Enough and they were thinking about doing There's No Way Out. And I remember that they had a great big uh, SSL board in Joni Mitchell's house uh, in the middle of a living room where they were working with a uh, synclavier, I believe. And uh, I remember being there and glancing over my shoulder and there was Joni Mitchell smoking hundreds of cigarettes all at the same time and drifting around us uh, every now and then I'd catch a glimpse of her and I wondered what did she think about us doing rock and roll in a living room uh, I also remember that I met Joni um, at uh, some Grammy Awards sometime and it was when In the House of Stone and Light my single was out and uh, I said hello to her and she was aware that um, uh, in the House of Stone and Light was in the top 20. I think it was number 14. And she said, at last, good music in the pop charts. Thank you, Joni. Watson, I saw someone signalling across the moors. Barrymore, it's Morse code. <laughs> yes, it gets worse uh, as we go on. Boom, boom, uh, another excerpt from Peter Cook, a biography. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the place to come for cheap, very, very cheap laughs. Um, now, I want to thank you guys out there. I, I really haven't really thanked you for the longest time. Um, I put an album out last year of all the demos from these Radio Owls Nest episodes called The Poetry of Collisions Volume 1. And I think I'm going to put out a volume two at long last. Uh, as I've been doing the shows, I've been finding still some hidden gems that I think you might find interesting. Mainly, I want to thank you for uh, making that album very successful for me, uh, especially in streaming. And uh, I am going to put out a poetry of... <laughs> Collisions Volume 2. Can I find a longer title? I'm not sure. Uh, so a Volume 2 I'm uh, preparing, I think, to put out. And I have found a song I think you'd all find rather interesting. I hope I don't bore you with this long story, but I did find a kind of mongrel of songs. That's a strange thing to say, but it really is a pagey rarity. Uh, I would call it a mongrel because it's a mixture of two songs stuck together. This does illustrate how much I um, actually um, vary songs as I work on them and how they change absolutely from one nature to another nature. Um, I was writing a song you probably all know uh, that is on, uh, well, my fans will know, on uh, Temple of the Muse, a song called Man in the Moon. Uh, but before I decided on the track being called Man in the Moon and singing it with those lyrics... I had an idea in my head called Harvest Bow, which was a very Irish-sounding song, 
Um, I was I was reading a lot of Seamus Heaney's uh, poetry at that time, and um, I just had this uh, wonderful um, idea of writing this song called Harvest Bow, which is a badge which you can make out of corn in the fields and give to your lover to pin on her lapel. And I thought, this is a wonderful story. And I had the music of Man in the Moon uh, building up. And you'll hear on this uh, demo of mine, which was before even Jimmy Copley played drums on Man in the Moon, and it was finished with a brand new lyric, I was developing this as a um, harvest bow kind of song. So you're going to hear the music to Man in the Moon, but you're going to hear different lyrics and a totally different concept. And I found this very interesting because I know I do this, but I didn't realise I'd made such a comprehensive demo of it. So I am rambling on, but I wanted to explain to you what you're going to hear. So you're going to hear what I would call a mongrel of a song being developed. It's Man in the Moon slash Harvest Bow. Check it out. Yeah. 
a mongrel of a pagey song it's man of the moon slash harvest bow and i can remember this is all before really the other musicians got involved and russell broom put on a, some great guitars i did feel when i was uh, developing the song that i thought it had such a wide uh, spance and landscape about it that harvest bow wasn't uh, wide enough for it and uh, when i thought about man in the moon i thought yes the chorus and the chords seem to explode into uh, open sky And so I just uh, stopped at that point and wrote a brand new lyric and a different concept. But it's interesting, if you listen carefully there, you can hear my guitars, uh, the demo guitars, and my drum programming that led Jimmy, Jimmy Copley, the great drummer, to develop his part on it. And a lot of what you hear there was kept for the record. Um, So very interesting. And I think I'm going to put that on the Poetry of Collisions Volume 2. Man of the Moon slash Harvest Bow Mung song oh i don't think it's it's quite as uh (laughs) terrifying as that um but uh yeah Ah, i got all romantic there for a moment uh listening to that and hearing a lyric there saying i'm coming over a dara hill and i'm gonna pin a harvest bow to your dress i thought that's so romantic that i think i'm gonna stay in the romantic mode and it took me to that album that i recorded in 2008 uh album called in the temple of the muse i'm very partial to uh my next that was my second album after in the house of stone and light there's a song on there which is uh, called blessed and i think it's the right mood after after coming over Dara Hill. So here is the ballad Blessed.
stars burn overhead But one flame lights my life yeah. Who'd have thought I'd find the best With you I am blessed You took this broken mind Held me in Fill my soul with pride Each day that I See the sunrise in your eyes After all we've been through One thing is true I spend my life with you Oh, it has to be said With you romantic moment there for us uh, a song called blessed from my 2008 album uh, in the temple of the muse this is a songwriter's podcast so i'll try and remember some things about this song uh, i do remember that uh, josh groban took a tremendous interest in it and uh, actually on the poetry collisions volume one i uh, uh, i put an alternate version on that album which i had to do for josh which was he wanted it slightly uh, arranged differently because there are some chords in there which, uh, you know, are ninths and uh, have a kind of um, jazz feel about them, which I don't, don't think he was too certain about. And I think we touch chords like D flat, which, uh, <laughs> yes, hard to play on the keyboards, hard to play on the guitar. Um, but anyway, he, I um, that song got him uh, very excited when he was recording Me Morena, um, another song from the Temple of the Muse. Unfortunately, he didn't uh, go all the way with it. Uh, and it remains a song just recorded by me. Uh, thinking about it now, I do remember the chord that got him worried was uh, an F sharp uh, with the ninth in the bass. And uh, that uh, did confuse him for a while. Uh, although, to me, I think it's all right. Uh, <laughs> 
Yes, <laughs> I'll accept that F-sharp chord major with a ninth in the bass. I think it's got a little bit of weird loveliness about it. I, I remember when I finished the song, I had a lyric in there, um, the day that you said yes was the day when I was blessed. And for the longest time, I tried to change that thinking. I don't want to be over the top about marriage or anything. I never really write about marriage, do I? Uh, but um, it just seemed to feel absolutely right after a, a bit of time. And that's really what happens when you I'm sure you songwriters out there know that when a song sits for a while and you and, and it just lays in the atmosphere you play it maybe a week maybe a day maybe a month later and you go ah uh, no that's that's good or no it's not so that lyric um meant a lot uh, to the song I think and also I played it to many people in record companies and they all sat back and said that will be on the radio uh, <laughs> I remember Bob Cavallo manager of Prince saying that is a very very special song and uh, a lot of A&R men uh, just thought it's a matter of time but it just remains recorded by me um, that's the story of Bless that's as much as I can remember at my age anyway you know, anybody that knows me knows that I love cats. And uh, Bootsy, yes, uh, Bootsy, who resides in the uh, Ironing Board Studios and uh, offices. Uh, he's just come up. Yeah, he's by my leg there. Wait, you, you want to say something? I neither control my tail nor fully understand its machinations. Do not assume that a playful tail indicates... A playful cat. Or is that the catnip speaking? <laughs> well, yeah, Boots, I, I think you need to go to Catnip Anonymous, mate. You've been hitting the old catnip pretty bad, uh, pretty heavy. I know you're in a musician studio and all that stuff, but you've got to lay off the catnip. Uh, I can make an appointment for you at uh, Catnip Anonymous. Uh, and you can wear your dark glasses. Nobody will know uh, it's you. Blind pew. I may be blind, but I have acute hearing. Sailor, I'm not interested in your jewellery. Oh, my God, it gets worse. It gets worse, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, thank you to Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Uh, do we have time? Do we have time? Do we have time for one more song? Ah, uh, It's strange, isn't it? When you hear other people laughing, you laugh as well. It's like a disease. Uh, yes. I wonder why that happens. Uh, keeping with the Irish Celtic theme that we had earlier in the show today with Man in the Moon and Harvest Bow, here's a song called Sweet Killeny Hill. It's from my 2012 album, A Temper of Peace, but this particular mix is the demo and a pre-mix to the actual track on the record. Talk to you about it later. This is she walks the hilltop, looking out to see. Lamenting in the mist what once had been Waiting for true love It gone to war From the hill she blows a kiss once more She would walk from dusk to dawn
lovely resolve um <laughs> uh, nice to find that mix that's uh, uh, the demo of sweet clanny hill that turned into this pre-mix uh, uh, this was a d- slightly different version that went onto the album um in 2012 i was writing this song a long time ago thinking that it would be possibly a b-side to some singles that were going to even be on in the house of stone and light and um I sort of forgot about the song, but a lot of friends, when they heard the track, said, uh, you mustn't forget about that. That's got potential. And I remember, um, and I'm trying to remember, as the old cat I am here, um, I remember I was playing, all the percussion you can hear on the demo there is spoons and kitchen paraphernalia. I went and rushed to the kitchen and thought, we need to have kind of spoons and uh, knives and all sorts of uh, live playing. So that all that percussion you hear is actual kitchen percussion. I put fretless bass on it as, as well as a Moog bass. Now, remember, I was using a DX7-2 keyboard quite extensively back then. And the voice in this mix is pretty well hidden. It's right back there. I think I lifted it a little bit higher in the final mix. 
This was a period when I was really influenced by the Water Boys and the great writing of Mike Scott. I mean, The Sea, that album is uh, fantastic. I still, I still play that a great deal. And there was the Chieftains and Van Morrison and a great band that nobody really took much notice of called Hinterland. And I bought a few of the records and I thought the guitarist was fantastic. And their records had something special about them. The Hinterland, check them out. Um, I was using a CP70 piano, I think a sample for that. A very, It's not easy to find cp uh, 70 pianos these days they're monsters and uh, i love the sound of those um and my god i was singing quite high in some of those places um and i like the reverb i had the voice but uh yes a bit of a stretch there on the old vo- vocals um i was again reading as i said before the great poetry of seamus heaney so there we are sweet kaleni hill um we're coming over adara hill and now we're on sweet kaleni hill i've got a thing for hills and uh, you reminded me, reminded me, the, uh, can we hear it again? Yes, that sounds like one of those cheap bells on a bike. Bring it a bit nearer to the bike, could we? Yes, it's an office bell. It's not a bell on a bicycle. Um, time for quote of the month. And it comes from John Keats. Poetry of the earth is never dead. As long as spring succeeds winter and man is there to perceive it. Uh, beautiful from john keats and keeping in the romantic uh, mode of some of the songs we've played today that's your quote of the month the beautiful sound the most beautiful sound of the tea boiling means it's a cup of tea for me pretty soon so that also signifies that we've come (laughs) to the end of the show um i just want to say with the biggest the biggest thank you to all you owlheads uh, for tuning in um it's really beautiful to have you um tuning in and being with me on for the on this hour show uh always feel like i'm imparting something to my good friends and to my family so thank you and thank you to vanessa levitt the wonderful lady that puts all this together and gets radio owls nest out to all you owls out there i never finish a show without begging for everybody to be compassionate to our animal friends out there i just want to mention that uh, i recently was studying uh, how they um, took fur from creatures and they electrocute them in a terrible terrible way so as not to defile the fur but the animals die a terrible terrible death um so please 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 again if you can make yourself aware and educated about what these uh, innocent animals have to go through have to suffer through we become aware and that means we can help and uh, let's stop the terrible suffering of these animals in captivity and let's not support the fur trade so my owl heads stay happy be healthy look on the bright side of life uh, because that's all we really can do right and uh, keep writing those songs keep listening to the songs and be creative i shall see you again soon in the owl's nest